you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. What's up, everybody? Very exciting announcement. Josh and I have been obsessed with a new video game. And guess what? We like it so much, we made a brand new podcast for it. Yeah, it's Riot's new mod. It's Team Fight Tactics. And our new podcast is called Team Fight Tactical Report. We're going to be going in-depth with all the strategy discussion that you're used to, except for we're going to be talking about this new game on this Mm -hmm. other podcast. But I want to say... We're going to run both podcasts. This will not affect the Command Zone in any way. And if you're a fan of Magic and drafting, you're really going to like this game. So we suggest you at least try it out, download League's client, and play it. And then when you want to win more, come find us on your podcast apps or in the links in the show notes below. Again, Team Fight Tactical Report. You can just search for that in your podcast apps and on YouTube very soon. Mm-hmm. Something else that's coming up very soon is the Command Zone <laughs> podcast. What you're here for. All right, well, let's dive right into it. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Imagine all the people. Living for today. Imagine there's no something. I imagine we're going to start our episode right now with that amazing rendition of a classic. John, that one's for you. Uh, I'm sorry, John. (laughs) In your memory. Um, What's up, everybody? How are you doing on this fine, fine day? You're watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Big day. Big day. So Z, plural. Oh, yeah. Big big days. Uh, it's time for our fourth annual Commander Summit. So if you were around for any of the last three, you know that normally we gather a couple yeah. of prominent members from the EDH community, and we sit them down, and we debate and discuss the hot-button issues and topics that are pertaining to the format, you know, of the moment. We're, we're, we're talking about the things that are really important in yeah. the now for the format. But we decided to do something a little bit different this year. Yeah, normally it was four people around the table. And you know what? The Commander community has grown so much over the last four years that we've been doing this show and the Commander Summit that we are reaching out beyond the boundaries of our Los Angeles-based studio, filmed here in sunny Los Angeles. And we... <laughs> We reached out to tons of commander luminaries and people across the entire spectrum, across the world, to get their opinions as well as their answers to some of the biggest questions uh, regarding our format today. Yeah, we've got content creators. We've got members of the Commander Advisory Group, members of the Rules Committee. Ooh, exciting. And many more. We're going to be talking about questions and issues like, should Planeswalkers be legal as commanders? Should Commander have a sideboard? And of course, we got to talk about what cards people think should be banned and unbanned. But first, but first, before we get into all that, we need to talk about our sponsors. You've heard us say it many times, but if you go to cardkingdom.com slash commandzone to order your magic product, your singles, anything at all, you really are supporting this show. 
this podcast, all of our content, Game Nights, Extra Turns, you know, shows like this are difficult to put together because we're aggregating clips from, you know, over 30 content creators. Yeah. We're organizing it. We're structuring it. It takes an editing team now to do this stuff. And really, people that support our affiliate link are who keep us afloat and are they really make us able to do these things. And right now, Modern Horizons, M20. Soon Commander 2019. All stuff you can order at cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Yes. And while those people are working on editing the show, they're doing so usually on Ultra Pro Playmats as their mouse pads as well as their game pads. So we're also sponsored by Ultra Pro. You can buy their products pretty much anywhere you buy Magic products as well as a lot of big box retailers. So make sure to check them out the next time you are shopping around. Yeah. Sleeve all your your cards in Ultra Pro for sure. Do it. And the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is definitely... Dedicated to Alvaro Gutierrez. Alvaro, you rock. You rock. All right, Commander Summit 2019 and begin. So we have a lot of questions <laughs> to cover and a lot of issues. Fight! Fight. <laughs> there will be some fighting in between. That's the, actually a good point. Yeah, there is definitely some contentious stuff out here. Although I will say uh, things, just to kick it off right now, things are looking good for Commander. Um, I've been playing a little bit more outside in stores. And in general, I, I, I heard something really interesting at the store that I went to, which is like this, Craig was telling me, this place used to be really spiky. Started to get out of control. And then everyone sort of collectively agreed that that wasn't in the spirit of the game. And people started toning down their decks or splitting off into different play groups if they wanted to play more competitively so they knew. So They start communicating better? Yeah, which was amazing. I was like, that's an incredible thing. To I don't know if that would have happened a few years back. It so. can happen. Yes. I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, so we have a few questions we normally go over over at the start and well we may as well touch on them here before we get into everybody weighing in on Mm -hmm. the really controversial stuff so (laughs) we like to look back at the last 365 days and ask a few questions the first question is how has your game changed or advanced in the past year any memorable moments jimmy uh i'm gonna say this one is out of gonna be a little unexpected i think my game has changed in the way that i think i got significantly worse at playing commander (laughs) wow i think through a lack of playing it as much now building decks has never been a problem that's something we actually do very often because we're always playing them on game nights so i think i'm getting better at doing the deck building part as well as sort of figuring out where to put the balance of the power level in relation to the other guests on the show as well as when i go out to um play in public and with people but i think in general i've noticed that i you know i played a lot of limited this year as well and i've noticed that i've been sort of muddling the mixture in my head uh to quote a magic card in that i've sometimes made limited plays in commander and realized oh no i get, i've got messed up or i start playing another card game or something else that has influenced my magic gameplay a little bit so that's something that i think has changed a little bit is my brain is almost getting packed to the limit so Do i need you to think figure out how to that retool. part of that is a product of being forced to take like six months off basically yeah that was from a when you were doing mulan you just didn't really play i mean you played a little bit of pre-releases but yeah, not like you were not, playing commander i played one game of commander in six months yeah. which is crazy and i think you noticed this too how slow and how long it took me to ramp back into even working on commander stuff after i got back right because like well you're behind you got to catch up and it takes a while for that snowball to really yeah. roll downhill because yeah. like i'd say in the past like two or three weeks it's been like finally i'm like oh but cool i'm back in the groove i'm like actually contributing as opposed to sort of like was a sluggish crawl out of the hole being like what is commander to me i still love magic but like I need to find and rediscover that part of the commander. So I'd say that's the biggest thing that's changed for me is I'm in the process of rediscovering what it means to be a commander player. <laughs> um, <laughs> for me, you, <laughs> I sort of... One thing that stands out to me is I, I, I noticed 
I don't know if I made a conscious effort, but I kind of noticed I was doing it and leaned into it. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've just been sort of less political. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, like I've just been picking my spots more oh, and being okay. a little more quiet during games and like... That's really effective, Letting other people like... Well, and I've also just been like uh, being political. Like I was very political when we started our playgroup and uh-huh. it kind of was contagious, I think, and a lot of people are. And I like that about our playgroup. Play I love it. Yeah. But I've kind of been sitting back recently and letting other people politic and just sort of interjecting and not not getting involved so much in, in, in it. Like, Have you found it's better for your mental health? Because it's it's not maybe in the way that like being super political can be taxing. Yeah, it. I don't know. I don't really know why I made the choice because I still do like to be political, but I've just been picking my spots a little more. Like a lot of games, I'm like, eh. <laughs> maybe I am just kind of more tired in general, and so like, well, it's the... the effort of being political is like sometimes not worth it to me and i'm like i'll let them whatever yeah. they're making a deal and normally like part of my brain is like you should interject and stop that and i'm like let's just let them make the deal <laughs> see what happens it's fine yeah it's sort of the uh, the age old is the juice worth the squeeze thing i, I guess so yeah i guess so and you know it's part of my thing of like not being a ball hog is my new um oh yeah is sort of one of my new things and it's like eh. well, you always advocate for that in basketball too you know yeah we play that's what i'm saying together. yeah it's like yeah but I, I believe bringing that to the commander table of like i think in the past maybe i was probably a little too intense with the with the politics mm. um where like yeah sometimes just eh, i don't need to be that political right now and i'll just let them make their deal and have their fun and like yeah. maybe i can still overcome it maybe i can't but i don't need to literally try and like play my political game like at 100 percent every game true so well, when it is at 100 percent, watch out commander <laughs> players it'll get you um okay so here's another question we ask every single year mm-hmm. who is your fr- who is your favorite commander right now uh, I've been leaning harder and harder into the green blue life, mm-hmm. uh, and I think my favorite commander that I don't actually have a deck for, but I we want converted him, everybody. I know, right? It's, it's it took a while. I still <laughs> love red, okay? So maybe teamer, but I think my favorite commander that I've seen in action and one that I just keep going like, man, that just seems so good is Muldrotha. Yeah, that it's is a that so is a sweet, sweet deck. It's just there's so many the, the flexibility of that deck too is you really can choose any direction you want with it, and you can you'll get that value. And it feels like you always have stuff to do yeah like unless they kill Muldrotha that's the way to beat Muldrotha by the way is just Muldrotha. kill Muldrotha like three times and it yeah. costs so much but if they don't do that to you then you feel like well I'm always doing stuff yeah and yeah. you're already making things that enter the battlefield and do things so it's the same sort of thing your deck has value built into it and it's sort of like I like the evergreen-esque effect of that same with like Morophon has similar things it's like you can kind of choose the direction you want to go with it and I think that's really fun for me as a player Mine is still Vile Smasher and Thrasios. Yeah, I love that deck, and uh, you don't have to really politic, right? They just I mean, you still you can throw but, away well, the damage at least right, is right. random. Yeah, I don't know. That deck is just like it's perfectly me. It's not. It's perfectly at the power level I want it to be. I really stopped adding stuff to it, mm-hmm. um, tweaking it at all. In fact, I'm starting to tweak it in a different way. I'm starting to sort of bling it out a little bit. This is your fault and DJ's fault, <laughs> um, but I'm not like trying to mess with the power level of it. It just sits right where I want it to. Basically, any table. There are some, like, really low level. If everybody's playing super jank, then mm-hmm. uh, then it's probably a little strong for that. But, like, from, like, sixes all the way to tens, I feel like it's fine. Well, you know, you also have those sweet new gold, you know. Yeah, I got the metal, two metal, metal cards. Metal cards, yeah. Yeah, I'll show it off. When, we'll do a bling episode. Maybe I could get to be part of it this time, and I'll show off this deck. I've been yeah. doing some cool we stuff with it. We will not gatekeep you out of the bling episode. <laughs> um, all right. Another question we always ask is, who is the most powerful commander right now? And, uh, Josh, what do you think? This is hard. I think it's harder this year than it's been in past years. I think, and I'm, we're not CEDH players, and they probably have an answer, although I think even they would say that there's a number of very strong yeah. things right now in contention for, like, number one. My feeling 
is probably like one of the breakfast Hulk commanders, maybe Najila or something that. Oh, Najila, interesting. Deals with that, and I say that mostly because the c- complaints we hear from CEDH folks the most are that they'd like the card Flash band. Yeah, which is big in those games and it might just be that that's a card that can, can kind of win you the game on turn zero or turn you know before everybody's taking it right i call it turn zero when you could win before everybody's taking turn one right, right. well all you need is a soul ring and the, like a signet right yeah to, to you just need turn one or one of the mocks they play a lot of those moxes and stuff like that right, or like even mocks. like a simian yeah. spirit guide or something like that i don't know exactly what they do but they manage to like protean hulk turn one and, and yeah. go off um so my feeling is probably one of those. Urza could be on that list. I mean, the Urzas I've seen are like insanity. So it's funny because a lot of people were saying Urza is actually not that great because he costs four mana. <laughs> or like if you get rid of Urza once, then but Teferi it's... was tier one and it's a yeah, six mana planeswalker. Like I don't know the Urza stuff I've seen is nutso. So yeah. I would put that on that list. What do you think? I think Urza is up there. Uh, I think either of the two mono green commanders, the one that um, puts lower counters on himself uh, or the one that gives yeah. you green mana. Isan, the Wandering Bar. Isavala. Yeah, Isavala. I think those both are very, very powerful in separate ways. I actually got to play an Isan deck when I was in Taiwan. Someone lent me theirs and I was just playing it and went, oh, this is disgusting. <laughs> well, like, the Isan decks usually... You know, if you play the deck a lot, does the same thing every time. It's kind of Vanifar-ish, where yeah. it's like once you get to a certain amount of, is it lore counters? It's like bard yeah, counters. Bard it's like song counters, counters yeah. or something. Anyway, you once you get to, you know, you go up the chain in the exact same way every time, kind of. Yeah, although it was interesting because it was like, oh, maybe I need to get a Sylvan Safekeeper out this time to give this thing. It's like, well, how do I bounce this back? And it was like, you had so many different ways of doing the same thing. It, it felt very impenetrable in terms of the, the ability, so... All right, we always talk about the Commander product um, from last year, and we're kind of far away from it now. And you weren't actually here I wasn't for here. it. I got so, to watch game nights with it, though. Yeah. I got to watch Cassius make a, it's a actually egregious kind of, error. Yeah. <laughs> well, I made a big error. Um, it's kind of interesting from your perspective, though, because you weren't here for the hullabaloo surrounding it. Yeah. And my feeling is, and you can tell me if this is true or not, that it this year's was kind of a dud. It didn't reverberate very far. No. It's like, even it, to it this day... It didn't hit New Zealand, that's for sure. Yeah. Right? There even, was product there, but no one was really buying it. I would say in most years, even six months, a year, or sorry, nine months out, yeah. you would still be seeing those commanders quite often from mm-hmm. that. And really, Lord Windgrace is the one, the only one I see, and I don't see many of the other ones at all. Yeah, and I would even say Windgrace isn't your best option, but it is a fun one for to make that kind of deck, too, for that like Gitrog's definitely the best option for yeah. that kind of deck, but yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I was underwhelmed by it, and because I just think we've seen so many enchantment-based things recently, so that entire deck, I was like, eh, well, sure, we've, we've, done, we've been down this road before. There's nothing new here that... I think maybe I've been spoiled, too, by Melissa playing it on Game Nights, her version, and right. I was like, this is a sweet Enchantress deck, and then seeing all these new cards out, that basically followed the same thing, but didn't like revolutionize it or even just move the dial a little bit. Really, it just made me kind of eh about the whole thing. Also, Planeswalkers as commanders, historically, both of us aren't huge fans of it. So I think that going back to that without finding a different way to like spice it up a little bit, like I think what they did with the Planeswalkers by giving them static abilities was much more interesting than whatever C18 did with their their Planeswalkers. Yeah, that's a really good point. Actually, I agree with that. So. um we're going to start looking ahead now. Mm-hmm. And the first question, since it's tied you know, to what we just asked, is Commander 2019 is coming up. What are your hopes for Commander 2019? 
we have to answer this now because we're going to know the we're going to know soon. the card soon because of game nights, but yeah, we don't at this sure. moment. So yeah, out of the box. Huh? <laughs> um, you know, I would say the thing that has seemed to be the pattern of behavior for Wizards is to be giving Red and White a lot more help, and I would expect that con- to continue in Commander 2019. But I wouldn't expect a, like I'm not throwing a hail mary and hoping that we're going to get like Red card draw. But I think we're definitely going to get help in that realm. I'm hoping we do, and. I would love to see just more attention paid to the lesser played colors. Like I'd love to have Rakdos get some better options. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to see different like wonkier things happen. And just like, I think four color commanders was great. Cause it, everyone was like, Oh cool. I can finally do the thing because I have that extra color I need. I want to see more things that open that realm of possibility. I would be super stoked if they did four color again, just because it would yeah, widen our options. I guess partners would do that, but that seems a little bit more dangerous um, yeah. just because if you had the new partners to the old partners, it seems like a lot more broken stuff could happen. Yeah. Who knows? Um, my big hope is reprints because that was the big complaint with Commander 2018. Very or one true. of the big complaints was they upped the price of it and then they lowered the value. Like there was worse <laughs> reprints than there have ever been. Yeah. I mean, can they put Vidalkin Ori, Sword of Feast and Famine, you know, so many Oracle of Moldiah. Can they put one of that level card in each deck? Just one? Yeah. Like what? It, I don't think it ruins anything. I mean, again, and we don't understand why they do reprints the exact way they do, but it does feel. I mean, C eighteen was definitely a oh gosh, why would you spend full price for these? Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. So I hope that they do something like that. And I think Gavin has said on Twitter that there's going to be better value. Um, I hope I'm not misquoting him. I believe somebody at what's he has sort of intimated that, if not said it outright. Um, if not, we did, and you heard it here first. If not, exclusive we're, we're, scoop. We're hopeful that that'll yeah, happen. Yeah, we're hopeful. Yeah. All right, so let's go to the state of the format, Commander. It is June of 2019. How do you think the format looks right now? A plus. Looks great. Haven't had to ban anything in the longest time. Uh, there's nothing out there. There's only maybe one thing out there that I'm like, yeah, maybe. But like other than that, I you know. I think it's amazing how many games that I've played and seen, you know, on Loading Ready Run stream, on game nights in general. I'm just like, wow, these all look like they're really interactive and no one's doing anything too crazy and everyone's happy with their power level too. I think that's the important part. Um, I think every community has grown by a crap ton. The CEDH community seems to be massive. We now have spinoffs like Oathbreaker that are hitting our inboxes left and right. So we'll see if those things stick around. I mean, CEDH obviously will. But um, I'm only rolling my eyes because of the hitting my inbox part. I'm glad people enjoy yeah. Oathbreaker. Just stop oh, yes. bothering me about it. Fine, I, enjoy it. I get it, yeah. I, I've heard, we hear you loud and clear. Uh, talk to me in like three months and we'll keep evaluating as it goes in, uh, goes on. But yeah, I, th- I think the format's doing great. It seems like everything's working fine yeah i always marvel at the fact that when we started this podcast we started it because there wasn't really any content being created specifically for commander like we looked and couldn't find it and we're like well we could make it yeah and now you can't turn around without tripping over tons of commander (laughs) content tons of great content and that different content yeah and that just shows how popular the format has become in a relatively short amount of time i mean there is discussion and talk and it's basically I'd say most people just kind of grant that it is one of the most popular formats, if, if not, not the po- most popular format now. Yeah. And so it's come a huge way. And that's really been done with very little changes in the last couple of years, which shows that like they're standing pat like almost every year. Yeah. And so that is a testament to how strong I think that the, the format is and, and how well it's doing. I think players should get really excited too, just based on what's happened in Modern Horizons and the past couple of sets. Standard, I think a healthy standard also leads to a better commander. 
Well, it um, just makes magic stronger, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think arena standard's been amazing so far. Yeah, arenas increased the player base as well. We keep hearing stories about people who are going to stores because they played on their computer and want to learn how to play in real life. So like all these things are contributing to more players into the format. And hopefully just better games and better experiences overall. And it seems like we're going that way. We get emails and comments every day, basically, from somebody who's, like, learned magic because of Arena and wants to know how to... Then they find Game Nights or something. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this looks like fun. I want to know how to get into Commander and EDH. So yeah. that is definitely funneling more people into the format. Which is great. Okay. So now we are going to get into our questions here and our hot button issues and topics. And this is where we are going to introduce and say hello to our special guests from across the Commander Sphere. So let's say hello to everyone that's gonna be joining us on the Commander Summit 2019. Oh, hello. Many Magic the Gathering players have gathered here today to discuss our favorite multiplayer Magic the Gathering format. Kyle here with the Legendary Creature Podcast. I'm DJ from the Jumbo Commander YouTube channel. Hey, Commander Luminaries. Sheldon Mentory from the Rules Committee here. Some might even call it the greatest format in all of Magic the Gathering. Hey, everyone. This is Jeremy Knoll with the Commanderverse series on Star City Games. This is Jake Boss from MTG Tonight. Hi, I'm Jan from the Spike Feeders. I'm talking, of course, of Oathbreaker. And what? what? Commander? <laughs> Do people still play that? It's me, Andy, from Commander's Brew. We're Commander Central. I'm Dana. I'm Max. And I'm Chris. We are the Brothers War Podcast. We are from Card Kingdom. This is Charlotte Table. I'm Chesh from Command of the Gathering. I'm Caitlin. My name is Austin. And I'm Adam. And we're the brothers behind the weekly Commander gameplay series on Twitch, Commander Live. This is Mitch from the Commander's Quarters. And we're here from the EDH Retcast. My name is Gavin Duggan. I'm a member of the Rules Committee. Hi, my name is Alex Kessler. I'm from the Masters of Modern Podcast. I'm Cameron from the Lab Maniacs. Hi, I'm Graham. And I'm Kathleen. From Loading Ready Run. Hi, friends. It's Olivia Gobert-Hicks. Hello, everyone. I am Scarzard. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive from mtggoldfish.com. My name is PJ Kowalczyk, and I run a YouTube channel called Commander Replay. My name is Ryan. And my colleagues and I run the YouTube channel, Playing With Power, MTG. I'm Shivam Putt, co-host of the Commander and Podcast, and member of the Commander Advisory Group. Hey Jimmy, hey Josh, Sam here from Mystic Studies. I am Balam Nakhera. And I'm Victor Adame. And we are two-thirds of the, the Salty, Salty Commander, Commander Podcast. Podcast. Hey gang, Sean here from the Commander's Brew. Hello Commander players, my name is Seth Cross of the Predator Magic Group. I'm Tappy Toeclaws. Hi, this is Toby Elliott of the Commander Rules Committee. What do I, the professor of YouTubes, to learn? <laughs> Plug away! Now I'm just picturing you watching it, Josh. Wow. So many people, incredible creators across every single realm, across the planet, across the universe. Well, not really. (laughs) But amazing. Thank you, everyone, for contributing and for answering our questions. We sent out an email. Ashlyn helped coordinate all of this and just, boom, into the Twitter sphere and the internet. And it came back with these amazing answers. And we're going to be highlighting a lot of those answers and also discussing them as we move along through this episode. Yeah, I want to say thank you and welcome to all the Commander Luminaries who are taking part in this Commander Summit. And also, we want to give a quick disclaimer that we reached out to everyone we could, Mm -hmm. everyone we could think of. However, we're just two people doing our best here. We may have missed a few folks. There were some people that didn't reply or unfortunately got their submissions in too late. Mm -hmm. We did have a deadline because we have to create the content. Again, we apologize if you were missed or you feel looked over. That was not our intention at all. And one of the great ways that you can sort of make sure you're part of the next Commander Summit or the next thing we do that's like this is reply in the comments. Tweet at us. Let us know that you're out there and what you're doing. Because anybody that was on our radar, honestly, 
we put out the call to them and we asked because we wanted as many different perspectives as possible. I mean, I'm looking forward to the tweets where it's like literally 20 people CC'd in a single message and then a question and then boom, the, the chain's going to go off. So yeah, feel free to contribute to those threads on Twitter and join the discussion. Um, and I also want to note that as we go through this, we're going to try and highlight you know, the, the answers that we thought or the positions we thought were the most well-formed. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if a, a lot of people are saying the same thing, it's not that interesting. So we're kind of trying to take the differing perspectives. We're not trying to weight anything towards what we think. This is all about just looking at all the perspectives that are out there and allowing everybody to have the floor and voice their opinions. Not everybody responded to every question. So right. just because you, the choice. Yeah, just because you see somebody answer one question, they might not even... Uh, submitted a response for one of the other questions. And that'll also, we're going to talk about the numbers, like how many people said they were in favor or against for certain things. And the numbers can fluctuate. There might be 34 answers for one question and only 25 for this one because (laughs) some people just didn't answer it. So, all right, with the disclaimers out of the way, let's talk about the first hot button topic. You want to lead us in? Yes. We've talked about this quite a bit on the show. We talked about this episode already. But what do we think about commanders and planeswalkers and whether or not we allow planeswalkers to be legal as commanders even without the text this planeswalker can be your commander so planeswalkers are legendary permanents so can they be their commander yeah this was a big issue specifically this year yeah because of war of the spark Mm -hmm. so every year there's like you know eight ten new planeswalkers released this year one set had 36 of them (laughs) so that caused a lot of hullabaloo and for a certain amount of time it's died down now a little Mm -hmm. bit there was a lot of people calling for a rules change in commanders saying we want planeswalkers legal as commanders. And now that the dust has settled from that a little bit, we wanted to get some perspective out there about what people thought. Should this rule be changed? Should planeswalkers become legal as commander? One of the things that I think we should start off with is the idea of what is commander as a format? It's a format that is like a singleton format and you're limited to having one copy of each card except for basic lands in your deck. Is that a format that is made by the limitations or do you think the limitations limit it? And for that answer, we're going to go to Jake Boss and see what he had to say. This is Jake Boss from MTG Tonight. Should Planeswalkers be legal as commanders? Uh, Well, I would say let's look at the history of the format. We started with Elder Dragon Highlander. Uh, We went into Legendary Creature Highlander. We didn't go into every single creature. We didn't go into everything that said Legendary. Just Legendary Creatures. And these limitations, I believe, are what makes the format special. It keeps it stable. um, And it keeps the input slow. And we can have Planeswalkers as commanders. It's just, you know, only when that line of text appears on the card. Uh, Now, a guy on TV once said, Tony Stark built this thing in a cave with a box of scraps. And I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like my deck building process, too. Uh, A lot of creativity can come in this limited, tiny little box that you're put in, which you're expected to explode out of using your own creativity and ingenuity. Uh, So should Planeswalkers be legal as commanders? I say no. All right, really interesting and well thought out stuff from Jake Boss there from MTG tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I like that thought process. Yeah, where does it start from and how do we get to exactly where we are today? I think a lot of people do forget that this was called Elder Dragon Highlander and it was limited to just those creatures originally. Right. Yeah, and Planeswalkers, I you know, I think he makes a good point there. You know, it the creativity you're allowed to do to have with the limitations that you're given, I think are really powerful. And Wizards has now given us this this Planeswalker can be your commander. So it seems like it makes sense to just limit those planeswalkers to be the ones you can have as commander. 
one thing Jake said there was, you know, the intake being slow so mm-hmm. that the change isn't like fast. Because if we change the rule tomorrow, we're talking 300 or so, maybe more planeswalkers, potential commanders coming into the format. And what would that do? What cards would that now create a necessity or or, or a call for a ban for because of that? Ah, uh, yes. So we have the biggest commander luminary of them all, the godfather of the format, Sheldon Mennery, uh, here with some of his thoughts. Hey, Commander Luminaries, Sheldon Mennery from the Rules Committee here. The question is, planeswalkers as commanders, yes or no? My answer, of course, is definitely no. Now, there are problems with commanders coming out of the command zone and being repeatable. Uh, the baggage is we'd probably have to ban way too many of them and swell the ranks of the ban list far larger than we'd like. So planeswalkers as a commander is solidly no thank you. Yeah, I like what you said there, swell the ban list, right? As in, And the wording of that I agree with because the intonation there is that the ban list is already big. Right. And swelling it means now it's getting oversized and you're putting lots of new cards on there, not just the not just the planeswalkers, but potentially other cards that deal with planeswalkers and in doubling with season, them. chain veil, new narsets probably gotta go. Right. Who knows what else, what other problems, the reverberations of that cause. Yeah. Um yeah. And the ban list, if it ever gets to be a list that's so long that you can't remember every card on it, I think the format is in big trouble at that point. It's just too hard to get a handle on it for most players. I mean, speaking of getting a handle on it, I think that is what a few of our next answers are going to sort of deal with. And let's go to them to see what they think about potentially trying it out. And maybe that's a way to get into it. Hey, gang. Sean from Commander's Brew. Do I think Planeswalkers should be Commander's? I think I'd like to see what happens. The biggest concern is that something degenerate will pop up and people won't like it. But that shouldn't happen in casual metas. Casual metas shouldn't do degenerate things by the definition of being casual anyway. And, you know, if your playgroup really wants to let you use a Planeswalker as a commander and you make a fun deck out of it, that seems like a good thing to me. And if competitive decks actually get very degenerate and there isn't, like, tech to kind of fight that kind of thing, maybe we ban a card. I think keeping the ban list small is important, but having all those new options sounds like a really fun thing. I'd like to see what happens, at least for, like, six months, you know, like the purge. Hello, Commander fans. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive from mtggoldfish.com. And the question here is, what do you think about Planeswalkers as commanders? Should the rule be changed or stay the same? So I am a big supporter of, at the very least, testing Planeswalkers as commanders. So my argument is basically, it would open up a ton of new decks, a ton of really cool new build arounds. And really, I think from my experience seeing Planeswalkers in playing commander, most of them I don't think would be too powerful. Yes, there are some concerns like doubling season, other combos, but really, if we can test having silver bordered cards legal in commander, I can't see the harm in at least having a test period for a a few months, six months, whatever, and just see what happens. If it's a disaster, sure, then we cannot do it, but I think we should at very least test it, especially with a huge focus on planeswalkers in planeswalker design and story purposes in the modern game of magic. All right, so 
some interesting comments from Seth there. Mm -hmm. Stuff we've heard a lot of people wanting to just test out the waters on the Planeswalkers. Yeah. You know, give it a trial period. They always cite the unset uh, because they did allow silver-bordered legendary creatures. For about three days. Yeah, it was like like five (laughs) or six weeks. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that, Jimmy? I think testing it would be the best way to do it, but you don't need to legalize it all at the same time in order to do that. What do you mean? As in, like, you have people that are willing to do that already. We have, you know, the CAG. We have people that play groups that would be willing to maybe take a step out there and report back. I know Sheldon plays with a, a group in New York that is mm-hmm. constantly kind of sort of kind of do this. And I would assume they're do, they, they did the most of the unset testing as well, I would I mean, assume, right? Is that really realistic, though? I mean, if you want to get a bunch of data back, if, that, if the goal is like, find out, True. is anything busted? <laughs> you really need as many people. Because we know from just doing like set reviews and stuff all the time, right. we just forget a card here or there. We don't notice an interaction. That's just a normal thing that happens when you're looking at a small amount of people. Yeah, maybe we do have to unleash the floodgates to figure it out, or we can just rest assured knowing that it's probably not going to work, which sort of seems like what Sheldon was hinting at, which is like he knows that there's probably going to be things that need to get banned, and as a result, it's just not worth the influx, like you said, isn't worth it. Yeah, to me too, like, even if you do that, I don't think it it gets the response you want, because when we did the unset thing, Mm -hmm. I don't think we even saw, I I think I saw like two of those, because... A person has to be willing, knowing that this is only temporary, to go through all of the work of building the deck, assembling it, buying cards or finding the cards and putting it together. It's very unlikely that under those circumstances, you're actually going to get a ton of the raw data that you're looking for. Also, how are you going to accumulate that data? Just hope that people email you or tell you about it? Right. Just hope that the general chatter level gives you the correct... Like, I, I just don't know that it actually gives you what you want to at the end. So I think all that it really would do is cause a ton of upheaval and a lot more questioning about it. It's I, I think the rules... Well, you committee... can't cast that card anyway, Josh, so... <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we can't test this either. A, a ton of tumult or something. Tumult, yeah. Shenanigans? Uh, <laughs> I can't say that anymore either. <laughs> um, yeah, but we're not done yet. Um, yeah, this next one was really interesting because this is something I actually didn't think about, but it's like, what do Planeswalkers actually symbolize within the world of magic? The story, the Vorthos part of it. The story, the Vorthos part of it. And that does make a difference. Again, a lot of people do play Commanders as a personal expression of their gameplay style. So we have a couple of interesting answers from some of our friends here about what Planeswalkers mean and if they are the quote-unquote face of magic. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Josh. Sam here from Mystic Studies. Responding to the question, should Planeswalkers be legal as Commanders? I think so, and I say this with hesitation because I'm not really the biggest fan of Planeswalkers themselves as permanents, but this question when it emerged on Twitter really reminded me a lot of the progression of the Legend Rule. Um, Back in the day, the Legend Rule looked way different than it did now, and over time it has changed in favor of function over flavor. So anytime anyone argues about Planeswalkers, should they be... uh, should they be commanders? Is it in the spirit of EEH? Um, they're arguing in favor of flavor. But the thing is, is they are legendary permanents, and for all intents and purposes, they are creatures. They're humanoids. It makes sense that they should be able to command an army. Um, but you should also look at the function. The function of a planeswalker, especially in the new age of magic, is to be the face of magic. Um, it's what's getting people into playing the game, and there's no reason they shouldn't be able to take their favorite character and have them command their commander deck. That's the function of the Planeswalker in the game, but it's also the function of EDH. It's essentially the face of casual, eternal magic. EDH is standard, modern, legacy, and vintage wrapped up into one format, so functionally it makes sense to make that bridge. Of course there's Planeswalkers that are going to be problematic and deserve to be banned. That's true with any legendary creature. 
but um, I'm all in favor of bringing in uh, a huge new batch of decks and again it makes sense that they should be legal as commanders even though myself as a purist says no they should just be creatures I can't imagine a future where planeswalkers aren't commanders it just feels inevitable the same way the legend rule changed over the years to favor function I'm Shivam Putt, co-host of the Commander and Podcast and member of the Commander Advisory Group. Question 1. What do you think of Planeswalkers as commanders? Should the rule be changed or stay the same? I think Planeswalkers shouldn't be commanders. The upside to them being commanders is pretty great, as people are very emotionally attached to their favorite characters, and having your favorite character lead your deck is a great story moment for Vorthoses and for everybody in the game. However, the downsides are pretty hefty indeed. Planeswalkers are pretty abusable cards, especially when you can ultimate them right away with cards like Doubling Season in play. And all of us have played against Super Friends decks where Planeswalkers run rampant and are almost impossible to control. There's not nearly enough removal and answers for Planeswalkers yet in all the colors, and I think that we've got quite a ways to go before we get to a place where Planeswalkers are going to be fair to be commanders. Now, I understand that there are a lot of commanders out there that are far more abusable and far worse than any planeswalker. However, I don't think the answer to having abusable commanders right now is to introduce an entirely new class of abusable commanders. Planeswalkers increase the length of the game and make it a lot more repetitive than it would be otherwise. And frankly, I just don't think that they're a good fit for the format quite yet. It's interesting, yeah. I, I've heard this argument before, mm-hmm. and I get, I understand both sides. It's interesting to me that Sam cites the legendary rule, yeah. saying that that's function over form. But then form over function is the argument in favor of Planeswalker, right? Because the function of Planeswalker is it's not functionally a creature. Right. It is a humanoid, as he says, but... It's what, more I don't even a, understand what that has to do with. Wasn't like, like it's creature type human, right? If it, like, I guess, yeah. It, but it doesn't like kinda it doesn't like function the, like, like it doesn't like have power and toughness. It doesn't yeah, attack yeah, yeah. like that's not. It just has a life total. It, it functions just, closer to a player. It's the picture on the card that tells you it's humanoid, but mm-hmm. otherwise, it's way closer to a saga or an enchantment or something like right. that, right? Right. Yeah. So to me, I'm I'm not sure I buy. I, I'm not on board with that argument. Hey, listen, Sam, you're welcome to your opinion and everybody else out there is too. I'm not trying to invalidate anybody, but to me, like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's inevitable at all. Yeah. I think there is a point there to be said though, that that magic's rules do evolve over the years uh, and they have to obviously make new things happen. And planeswalkers are legendary permanents, but that's just it, right? They're a legendary permanent that I think ultimately don't really work. And we're not intended to do that. And the reason they weren't intended to do that is because we've seen wizards purposely print ones that are intended to do that. Right. And that, I think, is the correct way. If you are going to introduce Planeswalkers as Commanders, it needs to be done so, I think, from a research and design standpoint. So that they go, this could be played in Commander. We need to think about that when we design it and make sure X, Y, Z. Yeah, whereas, like, I think you can make a lot of the bigger, more expensive. You're not going to play, like, a random six-power or six-cost, three-color creature in Standard because it's just not possible. But it's going to be the perfect fit for something like edh and commander so i think that's an easier transition from a legendary creature in standard onwards as opposed to just printing a ton of planeswalkers for standard which is going to affect it obviously a lot and then that adversely affecting commander in like a a really harmful and and harsh way i don't want to dismiss or totally downplay the upside of having planeswalkers as commanders right i think you and i have a tendency and i'm totally guilty of this of like being like no we don't like it and then almost appearing as if we're saying like there's nothing that would be good about it there's a ton of cool things that would happen if planeswalkers were commanders yeah and 
you know, there'd be a lot of sweet decks and sweet interactions. And I think definitely there's a big upside there. And it's just judging if the gap of the upside versus the downside, if the juice we think is worth the squeeze, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And for both of us, I think it's no, but I don't want to, I don't want to be like everyone's totally wrong because no, they're right. You know, Saffron Olive is right. There'll be a bunch of sweet stuff you could do. And that part sounds really fun. And there's, you know, some people who like Jace is their favorite character and they want him to helm their commander deck. And right. and I think, you know, I, that'd be great for that person. But I think the overall outcome would be more negative than positive. That's just, you know. Yeah. And I think it's also something you can just discuss with your playgroup in case everyone does want to try it out. Go ahead and try it out. Or play Oathbreaker where that you have to have a Planeswalker as your commander. <laughs> But, I mean, you know, there's something to be said for playing in an environment where they've also got legendary creatures. There's the signature spell changes things a lot, too. Right, so, right. you know, well, Brawl, Brawl gave us a taste yeah, of yeah. it. And, and you know, I was nonplussed. Like, I, I didn't think that it was, like, a great part of the experience. But, yeah, you know, I don't think it made it necessarily better, yeah. right? So I think that's that's the, the ultimate question is, like, is doing this going to make the format healthier or unhealthier? And I think the amount of time and effort it's going to take to even bring it back to the state it is right now it's not like we're here on like a very solid footing. Like one small thing could push EDH one way or the other if we're not careful. Well, this is not a small thing. This would be a huge thing, yeah, I think. Exactly. You know, this is, yeah, this is a lot of up, sorry, a lot of tumult. <laughs> tumult. Lots of tumult. <laughs> Until they create a card called tumult, I can <laughs> say that. And we have more tumult and shenanigans and upheaval coming up. We are answering a few more questions about the commander uh, experience and our general state of the format questions. But before that, we're going to roll a small mid-roll and we'll be right back. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. 
All right, we are back. It is our Commander Summit for 2019. We're talking with or taking the perspectives of many of the content creators, a lot of people from the Rules Committee, yeah. the Commander Advisory Group, all kinds of Commander Luminaries, we're calling them. And we're on to our next question here, which is about the London Mulligan Rule. So uh. if you're not aware, there's a new Mulligan Rule being adopted and it's being adopted by all the major formats, including Commander. They've announced that Commander is going to um, adopt this this rule. And right now we're in the Vancouver Mulligan, which is if you Mulligan down to six in Commander multiplayer, you always get one free Mulligan. By mm-hmm. the way, if you didn't know that, so you go seven, you draw your seven cards. You don't like that. You draw back to seven. That's your first Mulligan. Now the next one, you have to go down to six. Currently mm-hmm. in the Vancouver Mulligan. If you don't like that, you'll go to five. If you don't like that, you'll go to four. And if, if at any point you decide, yeah, I like that, so let's say you stay at six, then you say, I keep it, and then you can scry one, which means you look at the top card of your library and you decide whether you want it on top or on bottom. That's the current rule. So that mitigates the fact that you had to lose a card in your hand a little bit. Right. The new one is the London Mulligan rule, which they tried out recently at the Mythic Championship in London. And the way this works is every time you mulligan, you always draw seven cards. Mm-hmm. So it's the same, right? I mulligan once, I draw to seven. I don't like that. Now this is my second mulligan. I draw to seven. If I want to keep that hand, then I need to pick one card from my hand now and put it on the bottom of my library. So I'll still be at six cards like I was with the Vancouver mulligan, but instead of the scry, I actually got to look at it while I was keeping my hand. Right. Now, if I don't like my second hand, I draw another hand of seven, but now I'm going to go down to five cards at the end of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to look at seven and pick two and put them on the bottom of my library. Then it's going to be five, but I'll... Or sorry, then it's going to be four, seven, but I'll, four, I'll put then. three on the bottom, yep. then I'll put four on the bottom. No one will go to four or five, honestly. You go to six, and then you're like, well, I'll take my chances. Yeah, and the reason that this is better to a lot of people than the scry one is that the scry one is limited to the top card of your deck, whereas the sort of pseudo-new scry one, which is you get to put seven cards into your hand, is you get to actually see seven cards, and it could be the top card, the first card you drew, that was the one that you didn't want. So you have a right. much better chance of crafting a better hand. You can get those crazy five land, two two spell hands, or like th- two lands, five spells, and you can make sure, okay, I definitely want to keep these two lands. I don't want to have to have like had to scry it to the top or the bottom. So that is the London Mulligan in a nutshell. It's been tested out now online as well. So I want to be clear. Oh, right. The EDH Rules Committee has already said Commander is going to switch to this at the same time as the rest of the formats, which is when M20 releases. So there's no reason for casual groups to even wait. You may as well just move to the London Mulligan now. You can you can wait if you want to. I think in general, um, it's better if you want to just have more games of Magic where everybody draws their spells and like doesn't get mana screwed. But there are some worries with it because you can find combos a little bit easier if you're willing to mulligan a lot. Especially in competitive EDH, they were a little worried about it, or yeah. are a little worried about it, to finding, like we talked about Flash and Breakfast Hulk earlier. Well, if you want to get specific cards into your hand, the new mulligan rule, the London mulligan, is a, a little better at doing that than the Vancouver mulligan. Yeah, and I would say when we asked everyone, there was a new universal yes. Uh, only six people out of yes 37. Being yes being like, yes, we should definitely switch to the London Mulligan. Right. And it's something that I've been wanting to have since the beginning. Now we've gone through two different Mulligan systems now, and Partial Paris was definitely unbalanced. Too much. Too much so. Too much in favor of, like, everybody gets to play Magic, and yet you can abuse the system. Yeah, exactly. And I think the Vancouver Mulligan was good, but it wasn't good enough. And I think the there's long... Still, there's now too many games that where at least one player 
is not really getting to play because yeah. they didn't get a good opening hand. Yeah, and then I think the London Mulligan is right there in the middle where it's not easily abusable. There are ways to abuse it, and we'll talk about that in a second, but I think overall, pretty good. I'm enjoying so, that. Yeah, the exact number was six of 37 people that responded to the question. Only six thought that we should not change to the London Mulligan. Mm-hmm. Everybody else thought that we should not. That we should. That we should. We should definitely change it. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's listen to some people that are um, talking about the importance of consistency and playability in the format. Well, hello there, Command Zone fans. My name is Austin, and I'm Adam, and we're the brothers behind the weekly Commander gameplay series on Twitch, Commander Live. If the London Mulligan is adopted by the competitive formats like Standard, Modern, or Limited, do you think that Commander should follow suit? Simply put, yes, we believe it should. One of the biggest complaints that we have from, or that we've heard from veteran and new players alike, is the lack of a good mana base in your starting hand. It can be very frustrating to, you know, draw a hand with two lands or one land, no ramp, and then have to mulligan down to six, then down to five, and then at that point, you know, you're starting off the game very, very gimped, um, you know, in, in possibly a one to two hour uh, you know, social setting. And we don't like that. In Commander, we believe that being able to filter the cards that you get will be a lot more beneficial than just drawing the, you know, like down to four, down to three, etc. Be a lot easier to get that mana base that you need to play the game and cast those spells uh, if the London Mulligan is adopted. And as a primarily social format and not necessarily competitive, now CEDH is probably a different story. I'm sure there's some ways uh, like Grinzo, Dungeon Warden, that you can kind of break the London Mulligan and make it really advantageous for you uh, to be manipulating the bottom of your deck that way. But overall, for the new players and for more casual setting, uh, where you're just trying to get the lands to be able to play the game, uh, we think the London Mulligan would be a good idea. Our position is yes. yes. <laughs> All right, so why, Zach? Why should we do that? Um, I think that it, it's, there's definitely less feel-bads using the, the London Mulligan. Um, I think that it lets uh, it it makes games you know have a better chance of being more interactive. You don't have someone who gets uh, stuck on two lands because they were hesitant to mulligan, and I, I just think it's better. Right, and I mean I think that you know commander games are long games, and yep. you know you want them to be actual games, and I think the M- London Mulligan was actually created to make that happen for standard, and I think it'll do it for our format too. Um, the other bit here is I don't think it's particularly abusable in our format. I, don't I mean. You know, there's 100 card singleton decks, right? They're not 60 card decks with up to four copies of the same card. Right. So, you know, every mulligan you take is just going to be a percentage chance of, uh, you know, seeing some other stuff. So um, the other bit is I like the fact that um, if the mulligan rule changes for all of magic, it should change for all of magic, right? Agreed. Um, it'll make less of a barrier to entry yep. into our format. So, like, if people are used to that rule and they come to Commander and that's like one other difference they have to learn. I think that's a bad thing. So, I mean, I think that that pretty much wraps up my thoughts on it. Oh, wait. And we, we've tested yeah. it within our, our league for an entire season. I think it was, how many sessions do you do? Like 14 or something? Yeah, something like that. And we used the Mulligan Mulligan, and it, we had no problems with it. I can tell you, it, it felt really good. Yeah. It felt better, and it felt like my five-card hands were more playable. Yeah, I like these thoughts by... by both groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say that Ryan and Zach, they changed the name of their podcast since we got their clip. So they're not the Brothers War podcast anymore. They're, they're actually called Commander Social. So uh-huh. we probably put that little Chiron up under them. But if you want to look them up and listen to their content, which is great. A Chiron? Yeah. Um, huh. Graphic Chiron, lower third. There's a lot of different names for it. Um, 
Commander Social. Look that up for Ryan and Zach's new podcast. It's, I think it's the same podcast, but they just decided that Brothers War wasn't a great name, which I agree with them. Yep, we'll be changing our name to the Brothers War podcast now that it is free and open for us to take. The Brothers Peace Treaty. The Brothers Peace Treaty, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, great points there. And I think something else that they mentioned that is something that I think is echoed by a lot of people, which is, look, we're already in line with a lot of what Magic is doing rules-wise. Why not keep it that way? So let's hear from some people who have similar thoughts. Hi, Graham here. And Kathleen here. We're from Loading Ready Run. And to the question of whether Commander should adopt the London Mulligan if other formats like Standard and Modern also adopt the London Mulligan, I I think absolutely yes. Oh, absolutely. You don't want one format of magic with an oddball mulligan rule. <laughs> Side-eye Canadian Highlander. <laughs> they're, they're, they're looking at it. They're thinking of changing it. But yeah, absolutely. If if everyone else is like, oh yeah, no, for standard and modern and draft, we're all going to go to London Mulligan, then Commander definitely should too. Well, otherwise you're going to have situations where people are going to be like, well, no, in Commander you do the Vancouver Mulligan and everybody will say, well, in my play group, we just do the Mulligan that everybody else does. So if it'll be unofficial if you don't make it official. Or if you're going to do a different one, make up a weirder different one. I'm... Just get get really out there. Yeah. Mars Rising Mulligan. Yeah. I don't know what that is. You can fill in those details yourself. You draw four from the top and three from the bottom, and then if you want to mulligan, then it's, you, you have to... You put them to all back in the middle and walk away and reevaluate your life choices. Launch your deck into space. <laughs> <laughs> Mars oh. Rising Mulligan. Launch it into space. <laughs> yeah, I think that's draw four cards off your deck, off the top of your deck, two on the bottom, and then one off a random opponent's deck. <laughs> Good luck hoping you can play it. And then you have to do Mars rising. And then someone else is like, Jupiter ascending. And then they draw a card on your deck. Everyone is like a different planet. Grammar Kathleen are the best. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, I mean, look, they're right, right? It would be weird if Commander already being the most popular format has a different mulligan rule. I I mean, unless there's a super good reason for it. And in this case, I just don't think there is. We're talking about a couple of percentage difference. It's just not a big enough reason to have it be something that's counterintuitive to anybody coming from totally what did we say at the beginning arena is bringing a lot of people into magic right yeah, now that's right that's just right. having a totally different thing than arena i think is bad not to mention standard modern all the other formats yeah they already have enough to learn let's not overburden them with tons of different intricacies um the final point that one of our uh, guests made here i think is actually really really important and it's the idea of what partial paris brought to deck building and whether or not london mulligan is going to actually harken back to that so let's hear from Kristen gregory Greetings, Commander Luminaries. My name is Kristen Gregory. I write Commander and Limited content over at masterofmagics.com. What do I think about the London Mulligan rule in Commander? That's a tough one, actually. I think that at more casual tables, it's probably fine. Um, But at anywhere sort of to optimised or competitive tier decks, it's just way too strong. Um, I've got a lot of experience playing with the Partial Paris Mulligan, um, and that really favours combo-based decks. They're able to just sculpt their entire opening hand and just get exactly what they need to go off. Um, I don't think London Mulligan is as powerful as the Partial Paris, but I definitely think it's up there. And I think that at those higher levels of play, it's just a little bit too good. Um, There's also an argument that it just encourages lazy deck building. Um, I think that at the kitchen table, it's fine to just say to your friends, you know, take take another free seven. Um, But you're kind of doing people a disservice in that regard because their deck building will never improve because, I don't know, most of the people that I've talked to that prefer to Partial Paris, for instance, they don't run enough lands in their mana base, they don't construct their deck properly. And ultimately, if you're ever in an arch enemy scenario where there's one player going off and you need someone to have an answer, 
like you're just not going to get it if people don't build the decks properly and i think having these easy sort of mulligans it just encourages lazy deck building so i guess in conclusion it's probably fine with your friends um but if you're playing like stronger decks it's probably a bit too good well, first of all, Kristen has the coolest accent, and I could just listen to that for a while. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Also makes her seem smarter because we just have this thing in America. Yeah, or if you are you got a British accent in the movie or the villain. Oh, you're, it's, it's, well, you're the smart person smart, or the villain. Yeah, the also, smart or the villain. Well, that's why... Or the smart villain. That's why, actually, they make all the villains in American movies British is because it automatically the villain seems smarter, ah. which is makes them scarier, right? So it's just right. an automatic thing you get. Um, Chris's accent wasn't British, by the way. We just were talking about European accents. Yes, yeah. exactly. So here's the thing. I, I, I get what she's saying, and I've heard this from a lot of CDH people worried about the combo thing. And, and mm-hmm. I guess we probably don't play that format enough to, to, know. to know for sure. And we'll have to wait and see on that front whether... It, it does make it oppressive. My feeling is that the percentage difference is small enough that it probably won't. But right. also, I just don't think Commander can be making rules decisions based on the competitive scene to the detriment of the casual scene. Yeah. Because, you know, most of the players are playing casually. It's not... It's still a minority, a pretty small minority that's competitive. Yeah, I would and, say it's a hard most. We're talk- I, would, I would reckon that CEDH players probably take anywhere from 3 to 6% of the player base. Yeah, we're just making them numbers, sure. Let's say, it's 10, let's say it's 10%, 10% sure. or something. But that's still and 90 I, and to I 10. Still, you know, we stick up for the competitive players, and I do a lot. And I understand, like, I don't think they're bad or wrong. That There's a nothing lot. wrong with playing competitively. Yeah, exactly. Especially, like we say, when you're, when, you're, when you're communicating it and everybody's having a good time. But I also don't think that we should make a decision like the mulligan based on, like, oh, it's going to be detrimental slightly mm-hmm. to this 10% of the player base, but vastly better for... Um, the 90% or whatever. Again, we're making up numbers, so yeah. sorry about that part of it. It's an interesting point about the lazy deck build building, and I kind of agree with her on that because yeah. when we moved from partial Paris oh, yeah. to Vancouver, it was a learning curve for a lot of people of like, oh, you can't run 30 lands in your deck anymore. You can't do that. And yeah. the, she's right in that they were... Like, that wasn't fair what you were doing. But if if the mulligan rule allows you to, I guess you were smart to do it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, that's one of the things that still, as someone that's classically always mana screwed, I think that's definitely <laughs> something that I didn't, I didn't really weigh as much. But it's true. Partial Paris does let you just be like, well, you know what? I'm just going to get rid of these and hopefully draw into more lands or whatever I need. So I, I think there is some validity to that point. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as extreme, though, because Partial Paris, you literally hold one card in ditch six. Right, so that's that's different, and drawing a whole new six by guaranteeing you're just going to keep that one mana crypt or soul ring in your hand is definitely much more broken than because you're still mulliganing down to six, even though you're drawing seven, then down to five. So I think that definitely is mitigated, but it is a good point there. All right, so that is going to do it for our London mulligan rule discussion. We're going to move on to the next point, which is going to be our last point for this episode because we're going to split this one into two parts. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the last question for today is about commander and sideboards ah so we mentioned this when we talked about the new karn and the new um we didn't mention this because we forgot to talk about the new vivian uh on the set review sorry because we don't think vivian is that great i think we just spaced it um (laughs) but both of them have what we call a wish ability and they're the wish cards like glittering wish and some other things Mm -hmm, and these are all cards that refer to outside the game. So they usually say, like, find a creature card outside the game and put it in your hand. That's what Vivian does. Yep. Karn is an artifact, 
various wish cards will do other cards from outside the game. Functionally within the game of Magic, what that actually means is find a card in your sideboard mm-hmm. and and tutor it, basically, and bring it into your hand or wherever it says. Uh, We've seen a little bit of that in Standard recently with Mastermind's yep. Acquisition, yep. and and the Burning Wish cards are usually played in Modern, or the Wish cards are played in Modern to fetch out important sideboard tech against other people's decks. Sponsire of Ulamog is an Eldrazi that finds all stuff from outside the game. Now, officially, the rule in Commander is that there is no sideboard for Commander decks, so Wish cards do not work. You can talk to your playgroup, and if they allow a sideboard or will just allow the wish card, some some groups I've seen will just be like, yeah, if you have it in the room, grab it, mm-hmm. and you can use it. That is a playgroup house rule in that case. The official rule is there's no sideboard, and wish cards do not work. However, because we've been seeing a lot of these wish cards recently, and I think this is in response to Arena, best of one, they want to oh. give... This is, my, this is my belief. I'm not sure if it's true. No one said this, I, as to my knowledge, from yeah. Wizards anyway, that best of one is creating a situation where, like, you're, you, the safety valve type cards they put in a format to keep certain strategies in check aren't, right. aren't great in best of one because you don't have a chance to sideboard. So we're going to put some wish-style cards in. So you can get those out. So you can still have a sideboard and still have some silver bullet cards available to you. So we can still keep certain archetypes in check. Um but anyway, because the wish cards have started to come out with more frequency, mm-hmm. there's been a little bit of a call to change the rule or alter it in Commander so that we allow a sideboard. Right. So the question is, should we do that? Yeah, and the interesting part was that this is actually a pretty split vote here. I'd say it was more heavily on the no, we shouldn't do it side. 16 out of the 24 people that answered said no. So that still left one third of them saying, yeah, we should let these cards into the format. Uh, we should let a sideboard because the cards are technically yeah. legal. They're not banned, but they, they just, just don't do anything. They don't do anything except yeah. for add to your storm count or whatever you're doing <laughs> with with with, uh, with that. Now, um, PJ from Commander Replay actually had a really interesting answer, which is: Do the wish cards actually help colors that need the help? And we all know one color definitely needs some help. It's my favorite color. So let's hear what PJ had to say. My name is PJ Kowalczyk, and I run a YouTube channel called Commander Replay. Should Commander allow a sideboard to accommodate the wish style cards? I'm actually on board for this one. I took a look at the list of cards that had the outside the game text in it, and none of them really bothered me. Only a couple of them would really even see play, and I actually really like this because red would get a much needed tutor. Gamble is not an acceptable tutor. But yeah, when looking through the list, I didn't see any cards that really caused me concern, since a lot of those wish style cards already have a similar card in its colors anyway. The black one makes you lose a bunch of life, the white one's super overcosted. So red gets one, blue gets one, Glittering Wish is reasonable. The big Eldrazi is probably only relevant if you're making infinite mana. And if you're making infinite mana, there's already a million other ways to win. So yeah, I'm totally okay with adding a sideboard to accommodate the Wish style cards. Hmm. It's a really interesting point looking specifically at the cards and yeah, saying like not, which ones are broken. And, and according, yeah, I mean, he's saying it will help red. Yeah, I mean, I like when he said Gamble is not an acceptable tutor. <laughs> Gamble's actually not bad. Whereas me being like, it lets you get any card in your yeah. deck. Of course it's an acceptable tutor. Um, but it's true. I mean, if you think about it, 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 if you have to ask the question, does it make any colors particularly stronger than the rest? Yeah, maybe the answer is no, and it only just helps out the colors that actually need it. I mean, honestly, of all of them, the worst is the new Karn, because 
it specifically can go get mycosynth lattice. Right. And that right there is just not a thing we want. Like, I, just the instant speeds fetch out no matter what. Yeah, it's like, I'm not saying people shouldn't be able to do that. It's just, I don't want to make that easier for them. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, Karn also can go into any deck, mm-hmm. being colorless uh, himself. So that that is an interesting point there. But yeah, red needs the help, right? Let's not deny that. We know we understand that to be a basic truth here. It's just whether or not we want to do that via a sideboard or just, I guess, in a lot of cases, kind of patiently waiting out and seeing what Wizards is going to come out next for red. Yeah, um, we're going to take another opinion here from our good friend Patrick Scarborough, who is Scarzard. Scarzard. And it's interesting. He asked the question, does it add any extra fun to the format? Hello everyone, I am Scarzard, host and showrunner of the YouTube Commander series Frendetta, and I'm here to answer the question, should Commander allow a sideboard and the official rules to accommodate Wish-style cards, such as Glittering Wish, Sponsire of Ulamog, and Karn the Great Creator? Um, so this is one I will admit that I haven't thought about anywhere near as much as a lot of the other issues. Um, I don't know what sort of degeneracy becomes allowed when you do this, but... I follow, as just a rule in my life, the rule of cool. If something's awesome, if people want to do something, let them have it, right? Like, like, let's go for it. Ours is a format where fantastical, amazing things can happen, where cards that are otherwise unplayable or don't have a home come to live. If someone's going to kick my ass with Sponsire of Ulamog doing some shenanigans I can't conceive of, let's do it. Um... For real, though, I I think Karn the Great Creator is the reason that this question is even on here, right? Um, I was one of the people that was very excited about creating, like, a Karn board with, like, a pithing needle and, like, an immortal sun and just, like, these random artifacts that had, like, unique synergies. Um, I don't know enough about, like, competitive EDH to know it's like, oh, well, if it's not in your deck, you know, we can't do such and such to it. Uh, But I think it's exciting. I think it's awesome. I think all of these cards... Um, I think most people have been playing as if these cards did work, and I think uh, either uh, are disappointed or would be disappointed to find out that the official rules say that they don't work anyways. Uh, But I think they open up some exciting opportunities for people. I think it makes the game larger, not smaller. Um, Now, I'm going to watch this, and someone's going to be like, here's the fantastic reason Karn the Great Creator shouldn't be allowed. But for me, I think it might be his downtick text in combination with something else about the card. I don't think there's anything inherently bad about having a dedicated sideboard. I think that's fun. I think that's expressive. That's something that a player could be really excited about doing. Um, and and if anything, you know, maybe we ban a specific card, but I would still like to see uh, the enabling of that sideboard. Greetings, Commander Dignitaries. I am Philip DeLuca from the Commander and MTG podcast, and I am here to answer the question, should Commander allow sideboards to allow for wish cards to function? Cards kind of like Glittering Wish, Bonsire of Ulamog, Karn, the Great Creator, etc. My answer is yes. I think uh, we should have sideboards in there, in part because you should reveal all of your commanders at the same time for that moment of tension, and then you get like five minutes to sideboard cards in and out so that you're prepared for whatever comes. Um, Sideboarding is uh, uh, a lot of fun if you've done it before, and it really doesn't take as much time as you think, because you look at your deck, you know what is in your deck, rather, and you look at your sideboard, you look around and see if you can move some cards in. You're really moving, what, maybe if you went nuts, you could do all 15 cards out of your sideboard, let's say, or, and uh, that's only 15% of your deck. It's not a big deal. So uh, I would 
uh, suggest doing it because if you do have a lot of wish cards, then you can just pull those cards in and that's a lot of fun. We are a casual format and we should be having fun while playing. Uh, in a more competitive format, yeah, you know, I can see how those wish cards are abusive, but again, most of them are priced so that in the competitive formats you don't see them. And it's really cool to be able to go outside and grab a card uh, from outside the game, that is, and uh, put it into play. It's a surprise. It's a lot of fun. So, yeah, we should allow it. We should certainly, like I'm saying, try it. Five minutes of sideboarding before every <laughs> I was, game? I was going to say, you know what doesn't sound fun? Adding five minutes to every game. <laughs> I mean, I think if you did it, you'd have to be like, listen, your sideboard's got to be together. I'm, I'm not letting you assemble your sideboard after you see what commanders yeah, are yeah, there, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, isn't that the point of the wish cards? It's like you don't pre-sideboard before a game? Otherwise, just sure. say everything in your binder is in your, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Well, it's, uh, the cards you say from outside the game and other formats have clarified that as sideboards. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, I mean, for me, it's like, I, can, I get it. Sideboarding is fun if you've ever done it in certain formats i can see it being like cool i know how to create the antidote to the you know the thing that they're brewing up over here but i don't think it's actually it's very much a time in intensive thing i see them as similar to tutors right yeah are tutors creating fun i don't know i feel like the format is a highlander format it's a singleton format it's for on purpose to create variants yeah and things that cut down on that are sort of against that philosophy and i'm yeah. not saying like you know i'm not saying cut all tutors or anything i'm just saying do we really want to add a whole bunch more what are effectively tutors to the format it goes back to the whole you know are you actually by by limiting the amount keeping the amount that the limit keeping the limitations are you making it better or worse and i think yeah. you're opening limitations up might actually make things worse and i think like complexity of commander we're already at an all-time high for this format and it's going to keep growing just because every time a card comes in Every single card that comes in, it's how does that card interact with the 18,000 other cards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting. And on that note, we're going to hear from one of the members of the rules committee. Ah, yes. Yeah, here. Not Sheldon, though. Not Sheldon. Sheldon's usually the one you hear from, but we got some other ones on the show. So here we go. This is Toby Elliott of the Commander Rules Committee, and I've been asked, should the commander adopt a sideboard so as to make wishes work? So sideboards are a competitive construct. They're designed for changing your deck in between games of a tournament match. That's certainly not a sort of style we want to encourage, but the problems here go deeper. In order to have a sideboard, you need to set up extensive rules to define exactly how the sideboard's composed and what, how, what you can put in there. Can you break the singleton rule, et cetera, et cetera. And that's an awful lot of rules to put in place for fairly mild function. Additionally, if you say make up rules and say everybody has a 15 card sideboard, that means that everybody who wants to participate in Commander needs to put together a sideboard of some kind as part of playing the format. And that's an additional burden. And if you don't do that, then suddenly you may find yourself in a game. Even if you're not playing wishes, you gain control of a wish somehow and it doesn't work. That, that provides cards that functionally work different depending on whether you've produced this out of the game concept. To my mind, there's only two viable options for how to make wishes work. One is to we'll do what we do right now, which is say they don't go talk about it with your playgroup, which forces everybody to have a conversation. The second one is to just throw all the rules out the window and say, you can go get whatever. The latter leads to a lot of arguments, a lot of bad feelings we found that it just doesn't work that well. People have different visions on what's supposed to be there. So 
we've adopted the simplest solution that is viable. And I think that's probably the best place to be. I mean, <laughs> it's almost as if people like Sheldon and Toby have been thinking about questions like these nonstop for, a long time, for, yeah. Yeah, for, a, for years and <laughs> years and years. It was amazing. It, it covered almost everything that I, I never would have been like, Josh, let's talk about this. Well, sideboards are a competitive construct and they're designed for X, Y, and Z. Like that is, I, my brain doesn't go there. As soon as he started to say that, I was like, Oh, that makes a ton of sense, yeah. though, doesn't it? Actually, if you think about Sheldon's answer to the Planeswalker thing mm-hmm. and Toby's, they're thinking on a level of, like, not only what does the rule allow, but what are the ripple effects of cre- of, of allowing something like this or trying to implement something yeah. like this. These are guys that were judges and have been around high-level magic all the time. Right. And they understand, like, if I make a change here, it's not just what happens here. It's what happens down the line because that change was made. And all of a sudden, can you imagine if tomorrow you had to make 15-card sideboards for all Every of your commander decks? deck, yeah. I, the whole point, too, is, like, I do have decks that steal spells out of other people's graveyards. Yeah. If I did that and stole a wish spell, I don't have a sideboard to go search for it. And do you want to build one? And I don't want to build one before the game every time. Yeah, and also, like, if you build one, are you only using it because of that one card in your deck? What do you do? Are you sideboarding after a game to replay another game? Like, what is exactly, how do you build this out? I think, yeah, Toby is definitely right on the money there. It's just, there's so much complexity for a mild function that is going to affect so many players. My decks are already expensive and hard enough to build as it is. Yeah. Also... Here's something nobody mentioned. You have to sell packets of sleeves in 115s now, <laughs> man, because what happens? Like, I, they got to be in the same sleeve. What if you get yeah, shuffled back true. into your deck or something? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Not to mention, like, there's ton- definitely... I've sideboarded in regular games and been like, I forgot what cards I put in. <laughs> I, I feel like his best point, Toby's best point there, though, was, listen, it's a lot of hurdles to jump through for basically five cards yeah you know yeah it's true maybe three of which would actually get played and used it's just uh, jumping through a ton of hoops to enable something that's just not ultimately probably worth it juice squeeze yeah and it's not what defines what the format is either and to talk more on that a lot of people had some really excellent points about it what does it really mean to be a singleton format and play in commander so let's hear for what they had to say this is jake boss from mtg tonight should Commander have a sideboard for wish cards? Uh, I say no. Uh, I'm okay with tutors. I'm not really okay with having a sideboard toolbox for players to pull from. That's just contradictory to what this format is about for me. It's about variance and not knowing what's going to happen and trying to make your 99 so synergistic that they can steal your Commander. They can imprison it in the moon. Uh, they can take your three-card combo, and you're still on the board. Like, you're not dead till you're dead. Um, and wish cards for me, just uh, the answers are a little bit too easy. So I say no. Hello, fellow commander players. I'm Cameron from the Lab Maniacs. We're a group focused on the competitive side of EDH and taking EDH to its extremes. We make YouTube videos, podcasts, we stream, we have a website. It's really fun stuff. Should commander allow a sideboard in the official rules to accommodate wish style cards? Uh, like Glittering Wish, Spawn Sire of Ulamog, Karn the Great Creator, etc. Short answer is no. I mean, one of the cool parts about Commander being a singleton format is that you have to balance putting Silver Bullet cards in your deck versus not running them at all and just running things that work along your game plan. This allows you to either build to cover all situations 
or just focus on what you're doing and not care about what other things are doing. Adding in a sideboard really affects how you build your deck and it affects how you respond to other players. And it makes it so you could be very focused on what your plan is while still allowing a few colors that have the better wish cards to get an unfair advantage. So no, wish cards and sideboards should not get into Commander. Hi, I'm Jan from the Spike Beaters, and today I'm answering, should Commander allow a sideboard in the official rules to accommodate wish-style cards, i.e. Glittering Wish, Karn the Great Creator, things like that? I don't believe we should add an official sideboard rules to uh, Commander because it restricts our uh, creativity when it comes to deck building. Personally, I'm a big fan of the wish cards, but what you're really just doing is opening up 10 to 15 to 20 extra card slots per deck, where you don't really have to make critical decisions when you're deciding what pieces to add, where you could just add, say, Glittering Wish, and then say, these are my 20 answers to whatever problems come up. It discourages building decks for meta, and it just sort of stifles a lot of creativity and decision-making. This is crazy because we have Scarborough, Scarzard, and Phil DeLuca, who are on the casual side of right. Commander for sure, saying, yes, yes, we should have sideboards. And we have Cam and the Spike Feeders saying no. <laughs> and if I would have bet $100 before this that it would be the competitive players that would want the sideboard. Yeah. Right? Because it's more spiky to me. It's like, oh, I want to have the right answer. In and, case, yeah. And this gives me a way to find it. Or I want to combo off, and this gives me a way to find the piece. Like, I I would, I usually equate tutoring more towards spiky players mm -hmm. than casual players. So I never would have guessed that this would have gone this way. Yeah, I guess, I mean, maybe there is something about, I guess, not maybe the purity of the format or the fact that you have to, again, make it inside this confine. And that's what they've been working with. And I think Wish Cards goes against that idea, especially if you're just playing a best of one. Yeah. A lot of the cases. Um, yeah, I, I like the idea, too, that, like, you know what? You're right. There are so many times when I'm cutting down my deck and I'm at 130 cards. And maybe, yeah, it would be easier to only cut it down to 115 or whatever the sideboard number would be. But it also makes you a weaker deck builder. So I could see that coming from a spikier mentality, which is like, no, you're actually making the edge less honed by giving me too many options. And, hmm. and now now I, I don't have to really agonizingly, you know, painstakingly choose every card that works and, and risk that reward. I guess so. I mean, it would still be agonizing at 115, right? Like, Because yeah. when we first started building Commander decks, the first time I was like, this will be easy because yeah. I, I, like, I'm used to building 40 card decks for limited or 60 card decks. So I'm just going to have so much. I'm going to have... It'll be easy to cut down, and then every time it's like, nope, I have two hundred cards, and how yeah. do I? How am I ever going to get down to a hundred? <laughs> but you do. You end up getting there anyway. But yeah, it looks like the overwhelming uh, thing here—not overwhelming in this case—but most of the people say no to sideboards, and, I, and I'm definitely in agreement with them as well. All right, so we are going to be ending part one here of the Commander Summit. That's right. We're going to split this episode into two parts. There's we got so much to talk about. Yeah, and we got so many responses from so many people out there, and we want to be able to show more of them. So. That's going to bring us past our normal runtime. Also, these types of edis of episodes just take a ton of work cutting together and organizing all the clips. Jimmy yeah. and Ashlyn have been working a lot just 
figuring out Dude, what everybody said. I actually made a spreadsheet and I'm yeah. just looking at it like it's the freaking matrix. <laughs> like, it's like, what down. did everybody say? Which ones are we going to show? How are Jimmy and I going to lead in and out of each yeah. of them? It takes a lot of organization and planning. And so we are going to be doing part two of our Commander Summit on the next episode. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Yep. But until then, make sure you continue discussing this one and maybe we'll have some interesting points uh, that we'll, you know, we wouldn't have thought about otherwise. Uh, I'd love to hear everyone's plans and what they think about you know commander in the future and that leads us right into to the listeners what is your stance on the three questions or the several questions that were posed today do you agree with anyone vehemently do you disagree vehemently are you just passionate about commander in general let us know on twitter are okay so the questions were planeswalkers legal as commanders yes or no do you agree with us adopting the london mulligan rule and should commander allow for a sideboard and those sort of glittering wish slash karn the great creator cards yeah, interested to hear what everyone says. Please, in the comments on Twitter, I like to hear from the ba- brain trust as much as possible. The brain trust, indeed. The mothership. Yep. Uh, that is the player race. <laughs> All right, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. What is this? So I have a Netflix um, series that my girlfriend and I watched recently Ooh. that I found kind of fascinating. It's called Jailbirds. Have you heard of it? No, is it about jail? It is. It's about... It's about specifically um women in prison it's mm-hmm. a prison up in sacramento but it's jail sorry it's jail not prison uh, right. the difference between the two uh, go look them up it's a little bit complicated huh. but it's, it's a documentary it's a documentary oh, series okay. it reminds me of vice it's not done by vice vice a little as if vice went in and like lived in a prison for a little while right. and they go into the stories of the people and all the interpersonal stuff and some of the crazy stuff that just goes on in jail yeah that you're just like holy cow like <laughs> like the, the, one of the crazy things or most interesting things is they use the toilet system as a communication system and also they pass things through the toilet system. So they'll, they've will they learned how to like fish things through. So if they want to pass stuff to people in other cells, they have – they build these like little rope things Whoa. and they like pass like pictures and notes and other things oh, because through it's the all toilet. Connected. Yeah, and they like talk – they take like the cups from the commissary and they create like these earphone things and so they can talk into them or hear and they'll have conversations like late night telephone calls with people in other cells. Wow. And at this um, jail has male and female. Uh-huh. It's like a tower. So like they'll the, – the, the the women will be on like the third floor, but they'll be talking to a guy on like the eighth floor cell block, Dang. and like it's, it's like going to a uh, an all girls school and all boys school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it it does remind you as you're watching it a lot of like teenagers. Uh-huh. I think a, a big problem people that are that are criminals or incarcerated have is like they have a lack of impulse control, mm-hmm. which is a teenage type of um, mentality. Or interesting, it's, yeah, it's it's. it's it's an analog to being a teenager a little bit. And so that's an interesting thing. Anyway, I just found it fascinating. You know, there's these, these worlds that like are happening all over the place that we just have no knowledge of, right? Yeah. There's in the whole prison system in that world, if you're just not near it, like it just is, then the way that it functions and works is just its own thing. They have their own jargon and it's not, I'm not going to equate the magic community to incarcerated <laughs> people, but you know what I mean? It's, well, my, my girlfriend is... Communities, was what you're saying. Yeah, my girlfriend's yeah. A, a medical provider. She's a nurse practitioner, basically like a, like your family doctor or something mm-hmm. would be. And they have their own world and their own jargon, right. and they're very, you know, how things work and how they talk. That's like the magic world. And then there's this prison world that is, or this this with jail. Well, there's the prison realm that's a magic card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's really interesting. That uh, I, I do love documentaries for exactly yeah. that. Like Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Like you never yeah. would have seen this high level amount of sushi making unless you saw it. But even jail, that's such a harder place to get an eye into, especially an honest look at it. 
it just broadens your perspective i think a little bit and makes you understand like how different people in different situations sort of live and view the world and things like that which i just think is good yeah so jailbirds on netflix would highly recommend it broaden your perspective how about broadening it about modern with our sister podcasts the masters of modern yeah as to my knowledge neither ben or alex has ever been incarcerated <laughs> do you think they played against prison style decks though oh probably yeah yeah there you alex go. is the type of player that oh i know for sure that he plays prison style decks because gaddick teague was one of his commander decks oh, that's for a while right. that i played against yeah. it's horrible yeah. um, <laughs> but they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic They've got a lot to talk about these days because Modern is experiencing quite a shakeup with yeah. some of the new cards from okay. Modern Horizons. Yeah, a lot going on with Jeez. that. So you can find them on Twitter at the MMCast right next to us at Collected.Company or just type Masters of Modern into your YouTube search bar. They are doing videos now. Yep, our editor uh, and producers for the show is everyone that works here at the Command Zone. So Josh Lee Quiet, myself, Terry, Ashlyn. Ashlyn will be Murph. working on this. I think, Jimmy, you're going to do some editing on yes, this one. We're pretty busy these yeah, days. It's, it's all hands on deck, which is great. <laughs> uh, it feels, you know, it's, it's awesome. We're running a company over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. We're getting no sleep over yeah, here. Oh, boy. I And I'm still jet lagged from like you, a week ago. You sent me the outline for this at like 2.30 a.m. or yeah, something. Yeah, and then the last podcast, I sent you the outline at 5 a.m. Yeah. Because that yeah. was right when my brain was like it's time to sleep and then i wake up at nine or ten i'm like it's time to wake up and so i've been going off very little sleep recently and of course big thanks to jeffrey palmer who does the living cards animations behind us you can find him on twitter at living cards mtg and see his wonderful work at the beginning and ending of each of our episodes on youtube at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast all right everybody thanks for watching we will be back on the next episode with the continuation and the finale of commander summit 2019 bye peace For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. 
inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.